Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cave of the Cross Apologetics. I'm Patrick. And I'm Tony. And uh, we have the great privilege of uh, joining our second guest on the show, but our very first uh, author for a book that uh, we're currently going over, Dr. Mitch Stokes. And uh, just uh, uh, trying to delve down into his biography is, is a, a, an interesting one, to say the least, so we'll be talking to him about that. But uh, Dr. Mitch Stokes is a senior fellow of philosophy at New St. Andrews College in Moscow, Idaho. Uh, if you're fans of uh, D- Dr. Uh, Pastor Doug Wilson, then uh, you'll um, uh, view that one as, uh, as interesting. And he teaches uh, graduate courses in philosophy and undergraduate courses in mathematics and logic. He received his PhD in philosophy from Notre Dame under the direction of the great Alvin Plantica and Peter Van uh, Inuguen. At Yale, he earned an MA in religion under the direction of Nicholas Walterstroff. And he holds an um, uh, MS in mechanical engineering and prior to his philosophy career, worked for an international engineering firm where he earned five patents in aeroderivative gas turbine technology. And actually is your, uh, our second guest to hold a, uh, a job outside of philosophy before going in. And I'm sure it's for the money. <laughs> yes, it, yeah, it definitely was. And, I, and yeah, yes. no, just the fact that I can hold the job at all. <laughs> <laughs> yes, always, always good for any philosophy yeah, that's not, uh, right. that's not uh, delivering coffee. Uh, his books include A Shot of Faith to the Head, Be a Confident Believer in the Age of Cranky Atheists, two entries into the Christian Encounter series, one on Isaac Newton and uh, one on Galileo, and of course the uh, little-known book of How to Be an Atheist, Why Many Skeptics Aren't Skeptical Enough. So uh, Dr. Stokes, we thank you and welcome you to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. All right. So um, I, I've, I've uh, heard of a few of your, your interviews before, and um, I, I got to ask, uh, mechanical engineering to religion at Yale to, to philosophy of a reformed Protestant at Notre Dame, then write a book on how to be an atheist. Um, where did it all go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, the, the, the religion started when I was um, – I prayed a lot during math classes, so that was the thing. I, just had to, <laughs> I, I think uh, there's that old adage of as long as there are tests or in math tests, there'll always be yeah. prayer in school. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, it's a circuitous path for sure. It took me forever to get to end up here. So, um, but it was good. It was really. Um, I'm glad that God had me take the the long road. Um, yeah, so I. You know, I mean, the I don't know if you're asking this, but I can tell you the the re- how I did get from yeah, engineering absolutely. to yeah. um, basically religion and philosophy was through apologetics. One of the so when I was a grad student in engineering, I'd always been a skeptic, always been kind of um, just questioning, doubting. Uh, that was just kind of my temperament, and then. Uh, yeah, just didn't have a lot of good resources at my disposal, whether it be people or books or whatever. And I just, I was struggling and I was, I, it felt to me like I was circling the drain, you know, when it came with respect to my faith. And I had some friends, so what, this was in Orlando. I had some friends uh, taking courses and who had already actually graduated from Reformed Theological Seminary in Orlando. Uh, R.C. Sproul was there at the time and mm-hmm. Richard Pratt and some, so they had a lot of good folks and really they just said, look here, you know, they knew I was struggling and I said, here, read this, listen to this tape, take the, and eventually I got interested enough to actually start taking courses. At, at Reformed, right? At Reformed. Yeah. Not for, not to go into ministry or anything right, like that, right. but just to help me 
keep my head above water. <laughs> and um, yeah, I got into apologetics that way. And I realized, wow, people had already thought about these things before. <laughs> um, I wasn't the first to, to think about all of these uh, issues or ask these questions. And I mean, part of it was like, I was so relieved and it was so wonderful and what a, what a great, I mean, what a grace. And, but then at the same time, I was a little annoyed, I have to say, because I mean, is it, why hadn't I heard this before? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the, the American church tends to, um, tends to undervalue its history, um, especially if it reaches outside of, um, out of American circles too. Yeah. Yeah, no, and, and and I think, too, it's just uh, a lot of people themselves are not trained and don't know where to go. And, I, you know, I would get the, you know, I'd ask questions and people would say, oh, yeah, no, I, I'm just glad I believe or, <laughs> you, know, what, you know, that sort of thing. And, yeah, yeah. And, and well, mean. I mean, they weren't being mean or anything right. like that, but yeah. still not helpful. Yeah, it's it's uh, you know you ask the question and and you know wh- why is it this? Well, because we're right and it's 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 not really a helpful helpful answer yeah, when, no. when you have people. Great. Right. Uh, so so uh, you you had a job, you had patents, you you were living the high life in the engineering, and you you just uh, got more and more drafted into uh, into apologetics that way. Yeah, yeah, and I, my wife and I were. Um, and so I was working as an engineer, and we were praying. We, we, we had a lot of friends that were either at Crusade for Christ. That was their headquarters there. Um, lots of people in ministry. My friends were pastors. and I, I so, so I knew that, that was a, that's a thing that you could do. I, I wouldn't <laughs> have thought of that before, but it's a, a thing that you can do. And I, I really wanted to do some sort of teaching ministry. And so my wife and I, we were, just, we were praying about it and open to whatever God wanted to whatever door he wanted us to walk through, it took a while. And then, but I was at a, uh, my, one of my projects as an engineer was uh, this small catalytic combustion research company. We worked with them and we were, they were helping us with some, um, some of our technology. And they were in New Haven, Connecticut, which I didn't know at the time. That's where Yale was. And, uh, I knew who Nicholas Wolterstorff was, uh, you know, so at RTS, we, we were, the, the philosophy nerds were really into Nicholas Wolterstorff and Alvin Plantinga. So we knew those guys. Of course. Um, and I found out that that's where Yale was and knew that that's where Wolterstorff was. And so I, on, I just said, I'll take a chance. And I, I called them when I was up there one time and said, Hey, I'm think, you know, would you have time to just help me, you know, talk, me through some of this and, you know, get, can I get your advice, pick your brain, that kind of thing. And he was super gracious and said, mm-hmm. yeah, sure. Come on, mm-hmm. come on down to my office. And so I did, and we talked for quite a while and eventually he just said, well, what would you think about coming here? And that wasn't on my radar, but I was like, uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, that, was, that, that sounds great. So I went back to the hotel room and called my wife and was like, so what would you think about us? <laughs> leaving Orlando and engineering and doing, and, and it wasn't like she would, she, again, we had been praying for opportunity. So it wasn't like this was out of the blue. So she was instantly on board. So it was a great opportunity and we were just super thankful. And that was, yeah, yeah, it was great. So uh, uh, religious study at Ivy league, which uh, of course, traditionally, and, and uh, again, past history, uh, uh, places like Yale and, um, and Harvard and, 
and Princeton especially, B.B. Uh, uh, Warfield and them coming out of um, out of the the hippie times in the twenties, um, were, were kind of traditionally, you know, the the uh, the the bastions of sanity for for religious study. But um, when when did, when did you end up going there? That was uh, ninety nine to two thousand one. Yeah. So is that kind of like a stranger in a strange land? Uh, you know, uh, being uh, philosophy and also a religious study and uh, you know a reformed person in in at Yale. Yeah, well, it's interesting. Um, yes and no. In terms of, I had I, I had to take two classes at the Divinity School, an Old Testament and New Testament course. That was, um, you know, so I had had courses at RTS from a very conservative viewpoint, and you know, we had heard about all. You know, you study the the liberal views of um, higher critical scholarship and all of that. Mm-hmm. But these were these folks were actually teaching it, you know. So I got right. to hear it from the horse's mouth. Yeah. And um, yeah, I'll how much this. Barth did you have to read? <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the thing. Um, so Karl Barth at RTS was a liberal, considered a liberal. He was a, a fundamentalist. He was yeah. considered kind of a f- conservative fundy at. Yeah,はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい
boils everything down to um, kind of a, the straightforward approach, but uh, it's just really um, interesting to, 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 to figure out that you can condense three volumes into that much and still have that great of an impact on yeah and, on it, re- and it actually that that one is just the last volume condensed mm, it's okay. really so the first two are more technical philosophy this one was more philosophy of religion kind of than, um theology of religion and that so it's but that warranted christian belief is a huge book yeah in and of itself so uh how did you kind of uh make your way over to notre dame and um under planica yeah, no, that's, kind of, I mean, it's interesting. It's kind of like the Mecca for, um, you know, Notre Dame and, and studying under Planiga was kind of the, you know, the ultimate, you know, dream, I guess I, I could say. And sure. um, so that was, you know, I applied to a bunch of schools and this was one, of, this was just one of them. Um, but, you know, it was great to have Nick Walterstorff as my advisor, you know, that was a, that, I'm sure that was a plus. And, um, so yeah, so it was, it just turned out that, you know, I mean, if you could go anywhere and you had, you know, your choice, it's kind of like all the Christian philosophers or a lot of them would want to go there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Especially, well, it was the, I mean, at the time and it might still be, it was the number one school in the world for philosophy of religion. Um, and then if you're, let's say you're a Protestant reformed guy, it's like, well, Planica would be mm-hmm. a dream, a dream. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 I always, still I still, I still don't know how I got in, but anyway, <laughs> I <did. laughs> I, I'm, I'm still always impressed every time that I, I see Planica do an interview or, or if he's on like unbelievable broadcast with uh, Justin Briley, um, just how, how down to earth he is. And you know, uh, it, it's, it's, oh, yeah. it's, it's just, uh, really kind of refreshing. He, he almost, he, he's almost kind of, I think put off and, and doesn't understand his own, uh, well, you know, c- celebrities for, for philosophy nerds are, you know, like, <laughs> right. you know if, if they're still alive, they're, you know, they're, you know, uh, giants to us, but, uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, speaking of which, uh, you know, when I have this idea of what a philosopher is, you know, it's, it's of course, a guy in tweed uh, with glasses, or it's someone like Descartes who goes off into the into his cabin for three days and comes off and um, pretty much establishes the modern worldview. Um, <laughs> how, how did you break the mold and become such a pithy and uh, humorous writer, especially about something like philosophy? It, it, it can't be done, but then we read your book and we were laughing halfway through it. In fact, <laughs> I have highlights that just are really good jokes in, in, in your book. <laughs> oh, well, I appreciate that. Thank you. That That's encouraging. I, um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I will, I will say this, I, and this is one of the things my kids are always surprised at. I mean, they kind of don't know my alter ego as a philosopher. <laughs> they just, I'm like just this kid, you know, that, I mean, like we're just always laughing. And I was, the other thing too, um, is I know what it's like to not understand. Mm-hmm. And so I really, I have I get frustrated with people who don't explain things well, mm-hmm. um, that, that, that write turgidly or whatever. I, I just don't, it's, it's frustrating. It's like, you could explain this better. You could, you know, I mean, it's not, you can explain almost anything when it comes to like the core, it's core views. Like, even if you just said, all right, well, here's, here's the basic, you know, here, let me, let me tell you about chemistry. So chemistry, I'll explain to you. Chemistry is just the, 
Um, it's all it's about is the exchange of electrons between atoms and molecules. That's it. Like you can succinctly put thing, whatever it is in some form mm. to get it across. Anyways, all that to say is I, I, I don't like to not understand and I know what it's like to un not understand. And I also know what it's like to be really bored with this material and just with learning in general and, and, um, yeah, it's, you know, one of the things, this is more of a pedagogy teaching kind of, uh, point, but you know, you think about like the math teacher who just went into it because she loves math, mm -hmm. which is great. But some teachers are like that and they don't realize that the kids absolutely hate it. Mm -hmm. Oh, sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so you've got to you've got to know, first of all, it's really hard. Second of all, no one likes it and no one wants to be there. So you've got to change things up and you've got to make it so that you're getting the main and only the main points across and in a way that those that your audience can relate to. And that's just that takes time to figure that out. And it but again, I think part of it is just because I'm not brilliant. And so I know what it's like to not understand. So, <laughs> yeah, I think that I was, kind of, I, that... I, I kind of just teach myself and it's like, well, here's what I want is I wish someone would have told me this. Yeah, and and had a good quip in the in the middle there, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that's one of the reasons why we started this show too. Is just you know, there's a lot of a lot of good stuff out there, a lot and a lot. Um, you know, yeah. I re I remember doing a book with Tony um, um, Scott uh, Oliphant's um, uh, Covenantal Apologetics, and there was one yeah. chapter that he had where it was about using the Trinity when it was ta to, to talk to Muslims, and I was like, this is the worst possible thing that you could do. I don't understand this. And we sat down and we had a like a, a two and a half hour discussion on it. And by the end of it, I was like, this is a really good, yeah, absolutely. This, this is what should be done. You know, completely changed my mind. And it was just great to kind of have, have uh, someone who's, uh, again, way smarter than me. I mean, he, he's, he's the one with the, the doctor before his name. I'm, I'm, I'm just the, the BSer in, in the fact that I have the, the bachelor's of science uh, in, in uh, criminal justice nonetheless, but a minor in philosophy. So, you know, I, I can, uh, pour myself a cup of coffee, and so yeah, right. I, 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 I I I appreciate your book, and especially as as an editor too. Um, when we come to discussion of this, it's it's really good uh, in in your how to be an atheist book to 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 break it down just by your headings. Your your headings are pretty much where where I I draw the line at uh, where we make these little short clips for sharing, and people can understand it and kind of break it down even more if they want to rewatch the same video over and over again. So well, good. So, that's that's helpful to know. Yeah. So how'd you, how'd you come to write this book? So the book is How to Be an Atheist, right? Why Many Skeptics Aren't Skeptical Enough. Yeah, it's, it really it just it goes back to my own skepticism and my own doubts and my own anti-authoritarianism. Um, <laughs> I, I just don't see... Yeah, I guess I, I would always think, well, if I was an atheist, this is how I would... I wouldn't, you know, someone comes at me with their morality. Mm -hmm. I'd, tell them to take a, I'd tell them to take a hike. You know, I mean, how about this? I'd tell them to take a hike if it didn't get me beat up or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it was just like, yeah, really? You're going to, I mean, I just, I can't imagine them falling for 
all of what what they fall for. And so, I mean, and again, I'm, I, you know, I'm I'm an equal opportunity skeptic. So, I mean, I, I've struggled with faith. I've struggled, I mean, all, with all kinds of things, and I still have lots of questions. And I know, and I've I've given up the the quest for absolute certainty long ago. But it's just interesting how so many atheists are the op like they're just so certain. You know, I just you know you read you read Richard Dawkins and you just think, man, that is that's intellectual folly. I totally get not being a Christian. That that's that I get. Yeah. I don't understand someone who is so cocksure about such a weak position. Yeah. yeah. You know, and that's the, so then, you know, contrast someone like Richard Dawkins with someone like Thomas Nagel, who's mm. an excellent atheist. You know I mean? Like right. I just really, he's thoughtful, he's measured, he's, he, yeah. He, yeah. He seems to go after atheists more, more than the Christian side <laughs> even. Well, he, he definitely is, he, he's very, in, and the other person I mentioned him to is Alexander Rosenberg, um, mm-hmm. and he's, a, he's, he's hardcore, and he's a, he's a philosopher of science, he's a human expert, so he's, he's skeptical himself, and he's just, you know, he's, he's one of the few that has gone as far as, you know, denying objective morality i mean he just says yeah you're right there's <laughs> yeah now i don't think he's entirely consistent but anyways he's 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 great contrast him and thomas nagel with people like daniel dennett and um richard dawkins and yeah christopher Hitchens. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah so consistent and inconsistent atheists basically right <laughs> yeah and then and so this book is really just like look let's just Let's everyone just be con- try to be as consistent as we can. We all can improve mm-hmm. on our consist. You know, we can right. all do better. Let's just, you know, if we're if we're not clear about our own position and the implications of our own position, you're not really going to. The conversation isn't going to go as well as it could. Right, and and, and, so, and you should admit it as well, right? Yeah, and just yeah. Look, let's just <clears throat> let's just um, be self aware. Yeah. our position and mm-hmm. where, where we're where where we're weak where we're strong and and go from there so so the book is split up into two sections the first section is on science and then the second section is on morality so let's just talk briefly you know uh and we're working our way through the book in fact i'm not sure when this uh this particular uh, show is going to be uh, introduced. So some of this might be, you know, I mean, we should probably give spoiler alerts if we're not going to be at the end of the book. But uh, so so let's talk about the science part and then the, the morality part. So tell us a little bit about what you're trying to accomplish here in the uh, science, the first half of the uh, book. Here. Yeah, yeah. So, so and, and, and actually it's it it's three parts. So there's a little part at the very true, beginning true. Yeah, where right. I talk about just our intellectual faculties, so uh, sense, good. perception, yes. and reason. Right. Yeah, yes. And Sorry, run, yep, I left that out. Run through okay. that and, uh, you know, bring up basically a lot of the questions that Hume had, and he had some great points and stuff that Planiga has brought up. All, all of that, I think, is good that, that, you know, if we were just, as Russell said, you know, publication of Adams, we would have lots of reasons to doubt our sense perception and our reason yeah. and to doubt our doubting and <laughs> on and on and on. Um, 
so that's what I do in that very first little part to get that out of the way. And then I say, okay, let's set all of that aside. Let's just assume that our cognitive faculties, our sense perception, our reading is as reliable as you want. Right. You know, so it's everything works really well and it gloms on to the truth. Right. So we'll take our sense, our cognitive faculties for granted. Well, what's the, what's our, then what's the next step? Well, let's right. see. It seems so, like. So the idea is what can we know from there, right? Yeah. Based on yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and well, if you're most atheists would say, well, let's look to science. Right. Sure. With, a, with, so an, say, yeah, with an understanding with, that science is kind of like this, this as you call it, uh, photoshopped version where it seems squeaky clean and neat and um, it, it almost takes out the human factor of of doing science. Yeah, it really does. It's uh, So, so the, um, the science that people have in mind is this, and, and, and it's interesting, the scientists even talk, talk like this too, that it's really this squeaky clean, highly... Um, sanitized, like you said, Photoshop version of it. And it's just so, I mean, I think that sells science short, you know, I mean, like the, the, the scientists are doing things that are way harder and way more creative and way more intuitive. I mean, it takes intellectual skill. It takes creative artistry. It takes, I mean, it, I'm, I'm an enormous fan of science Mm. and, um, but the but real science because it's like man these humans do some really hard stuff, and they kind of do things sometimes intuitively, which is you know like a musician would, yeah, you know, hmm. yeah. rather than like a logician would, and um it, and it's fascinating. Yeah. So, so uh, but you're not so science is 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 good. It's it's helpful. It's tough. But you, you, so you're not really criticizing it, but you're questioning. So, what exactly are you trying to get at with this? Then, yeah, no, that's a good point. It's you're, you're right. I'm, I am not. I'm not science bashing in the least. I mean, right. I'm. I'm so pro science. Um, yeah. I, so I'm very, very pro STEM, math, science, engineering, all of that. Uh, it's. There's really two ditches, and I'm always, and that's kind of like, I try to teach my students this. If you know, look, guys, if there's one thing that I want to teach you is, for most of these issues in life, you're trying to avoid two ditches on the on either side of the road. Mm-hmm. And so, when it comes to science, you have, on the one hand, people who think that, you know, science is infallible, and you know that it's they way overestimate it in terms of its abilities hmm. but then you have the other ditch where people underestimate it and you know they think well just because it's on the one hand you have you on the so on the optimistic side you have people saying no well, so it must be true because science does it right. and then on the other side you have people say well it must be false science does it <laughs> and, and really neither side is consistent at all um but that's kind of their tenor and their, their sentiments uh and i just I don't want us to do that. I, so, so part of this is to point out the limitations of science. I mean, so that's really the main part. So I'm really going after that one ditch, the optimistic, overly optimistic ditch. But there's still a part of me that's a little wary of that project because I don't want 
people in the other ditch taking hold of this right. and abusing it. Right, right. So in in the book, uh, in in fact, the the one that uh, uh, I think we just aired, or actually no, we we just went over, uh, hasn't aired yet. Um, you, you talk about uh, instrumentalism and how um, kind of uh, comparing and contrasting uh, two, two views of science. One one view is the fact that uh, uh, science attempts to get at uh, at what is uh, what is truth, and then instrumentalist says, well, you have uh, you have these theories that come about. And um, they're true in and only uh, as so far as they they um, provide you either accurate results or move along the process or uh, you know helps you develop the cell phone. Or yeah, or right, even right. we don't even care if they're true, yeah, just right. as long as they're working. Yeah, right? just like, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I, I think you do just a, a great job. And and I'm, I'm th- th- there's no uh, negative critique that uh, this interview is going to have. So uh, you're just going to get <laughs> praise heaped on you, and I don't care. It's, 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 it's half my show. I can do what I want. But I, I think you do an amazing job of of of, uh, of giving a, a good um, hi- uh, history of philosophy um, in, in the way that I was taught with with uh, the examples of the geocentrism and um, the heliocentrism. I think that's a, yeah. a really good point because of just how many factors you bring in of, of your points. Things like the advance of technology and the um, just the, the the fact that everyone had the same observations. But then, okay, what do you do with it when once you hit a disagreement with it? Um, right. So so then, as a Christian, as Christians, uh, if 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 we're uh, maybe not having the confidence in science to tell us what's true and we should accept instrumentalism, are, are we able to then um, take what we point to and say, well, you know, the Bible says here uh, uh, something that confirms what science uh, has said. Um, uh, are we able to, to kind of still hang our head on that or should we be more uh, nuanced about it? Well, I'm, I'm yeah, I, I certainly am in favor of nuance. I, you know, one of the, you know, it could certainly be tempting for, for, um, let's say a young earth creationist to hang his or her hat on instrumentalism. Say, well, look, you know, we got science has been wrong about all these different things. And so what are the odds that it's right now? And, um, and I think there's something to that argument. Like that's that's those, just the opposite argument of the the no mir- the miracles argument. Right? <laughs> It'd be a miracle if they got it right this time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and in in a lot of it boils down to the the kind of evidence that you have for you know all these theories, whether it's in physics and even within say physics, they're all they're just different aspects of different kinds of evidence and you just have to know sometimes we have really good evidence that it'd be like you know what there's really no other alternative that we have right now and there's no we don't have any evidence that we're wrong and so there's really good reasons to believe these then there are certain then there are other things when you get to you know let's say we're talking about string theory and multiverses and things like that it's like well that's a different entirely different data set and <laughs> kinds of conclusions there. And so 222 dimensions. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, so you really just have to, you can't just go, okay, well it's all wrong or it's all right. It's like, yeah, sorry. It's just not that easy. I mean, mm-hmm. there's, there is, you know, you can't even say that physics, you know, think about, um, so quantum mechanics, let's say, or, or quantum field theory, which combines special relativity and 
quantum mechanics, there you, you have some place like the the large had large hadron collider in um, CERN in Switzerland. You know, like that's the mm-hmm. biggest, most elaborate machine humans have ever made. <laughs> There's got to be something right about subatomic part, even though we can't see core, you know, we can't see, well, even electrons, you know, or, right. or proton, you can't see those, but they're doing things with them. Apparently like the whole system works together in such a way that it really would be a mirror. I mean, you'd have to be overly cynical and have an agenda that, you know, that you couldn't get out of to say that there's nothing to that. Right. Yeah. Right. I just, mean, it just seems just like how like Newtonian mechanics, although, uh, you know, um, inaccurate and, and, and replaced by, by other theories, it, it works really well. And we landed men on the moon, which is, uh, always our, our point of, uh, absolute contention as a human species of, uh, of, of proving something. Um, but, so, but, at the same time, I, I, I've told the story before. I remember being in, in the second year physics class in college and being told that the, the thing that I've been learning about since, uh, you know, uh, fifth grade uh, science class is pretty much wrong. And, you know, there, there are better theories out there that get you more accurate results. Yeah. And, and, and so you, you're definitely going to have that kind of thing. You know, you're going to have different, you're, you're going to have, um, you know, I, I I don't doubt that quantum mechanics in general, and there's going to be something that supersedes that, whether it's putting the two together or throwing out. out. I mean, so I, I I don't doubt that, but I would be very surprised if there turns out to not be a leptons. Hmm. You know, so like any my, now at the same time, if there turned out not to be electrons, that would be you know I probably wouldn't be that that shocked either, but. Um, you know, we would probably just say, well, electrons aren't what we thought they were. Right. We already, we've already talked about that. I mean, mm-hmm. back in the quantum revolution, you know, back in the twenties when there's just trying, like, is it a particle or is it a wave? And mm-hmm. it's yes and no. And so there are still electrons and there's still particles. They're just not what we thought they were. So mm-hmm. we're doing something with these things. And so some of this stuff will probably get carried along to the new theories and then some of it will go by the wayside, you know, and I mean, yeah. it could be, you know, and even when it comes to like the, the, you know, our theory of gravity, I think that it's, it's ultra accurate, but man, I would not be surprised if we, you know, have something else later on. So, but all that to say, I mean, the whole, my point is just like you, there are some things that will probably survive the theory and some things won't. Mm-hmm. Like right. you yeah. right now, it, you know, it's hard to see, you know, the future's hard to see. So so this section then in the book is saying we should be um, sober skeptics about what science can tell us, and uh, we shouldn't veer to one side of the, uh, what would you call it, the, uh, you know, the ditch and, and or the other, right? We should kind of be middle road type with regard yes, to what we hold to that science allows us to say about the phys- er, for physics about the physical world well i think i mean it, it tells us some true things and other things it doesn't and that and we just have to be aware of us not knowing exactly 
where, but then we also need to know the, where, where our theories are tenuous. And right. that's where I, what I try to point out in the book is, look, as we get out on, you need to know when we get to the skinny branches. Right, right. You well, know, and then when we're out on the skinny branches, mm-hmm. we need to go, you know, let's, let's be a little careful because <laughs> these are pretty thin. Um, and just be aware that we're on the skinny branches rather than, you know, you have someone like Lawrence Krauss who has this book called the uh, universe from nothing. Right. I mean, wow. Yeah. You know I mean? Like how, how skinny branch can you get? Yeah. <laughs> or, and it's, and, and, and being on a skinny branch is fine. I don't, I don't mind that. It's being on a skinny branch and never letting your audience know that, hey, you know what? This being is, honest, yeah. yeah. This what, is the skinny branch. Which, right. which I think that's where I think he loses, uh, you know, in, in his debates. Uh, I remember him debating John Lennox and just Lennox taking mm. him to task about, you know, all right, is, is your word nothing actually mean nothing or does it mean something? Because it seems like you're, you're invoking something from the nothing. I'm not trying to get into what uh, logical positivists would throw us out of the, the universities for, but, but the sense that that if at least be intellectually honest about what what you're doing is as what you uh, what you say about uh, uh, how we should view science and in, in, in our understanding of the world. Right. Yeah. 